This week on the Undone Podcast, we are joined by the fiercely relentless founder and CEO of Harlem's Fashion Row, Brandis Daniel. In this episode, Brandis talks about her journey from Memphis to New York, how and why she decided to start HFR, how to ask for what we want without taking no for an answer, how we can get laser focused on our own dreams while drowning out the noise and naysayers. Brandis has worked with big brands like Nike, Target, Gap, and even LeBron James. So of course I had to ask her, how do we, you and I, go about getting brands to work with us? Brandis has long referred to herself as a fashion outsider, although we'll have to agree to disagree. So we discuss how being an outsider can actually work to your advantage. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and share, and subscribe. Welcome to Undone. Hi, Brandis. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited to have you on today's podcast. Welcome to the Undone podcast. Um, Today, you guys, we are joined by the beautiful and fiercely talented CEO and founder of Harlem's Fashion Row, a platform for multicultural designers. She's the author of the book Sponsored, How to Get Brands to Pay for Your Next Event. I know I need that book. She's also the founder of Icon360, a nonprofit created to help aid fashion designers during the pandemic. So welcome, Brandis Thank Daniel. you. Thank you for having <laughs> yeah. me. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. Um, so scrolling through your social media, I noticed that you've been missing in action and I've been missing you in action because your words, your, your videos of wisdom, they have helped me in some situations or some days or some mornings and I'll go on Instagram and I'll see your video and you've helped me like not go over the edge, not give up on my own dreams. So I can appreciate a Brandis video of <laughs> encouragement. You're on a 21 day fast from social media. What has this been like for you? Oh my goodness. It's been like a cheap vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's amazing like how much life is going on around you while you're on social media and this time when I could just kind of stop and really be fully present for my full physical life. Um, It's been so nice. It really, really has. Like I have come some contemplated not coming back (laughs) because you, you have to come back. We, I need you. It's just so peaceful. Oh my gosh. It's so peaceful. And then I have so much going on. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm like, how was I doing social media on top of all of this other stuff, but right. Well, we definitely nice. need, we definitely nice. need you back because your words, let me ask you about those moments when you were just recording, because I've watched you on YouTube too. You would used to do the Google hangout or the Google, mm-hmm. like where you were trying to get yourself prepared for public speaking. And yep. this was years ago. And now just to see where you are today, when you are giving those words and talking us off the ledge what's going what's going through your mind are you doing that for yourself also because girl you be helping people (laughs) you know what it's usually something I'm going through or aha moment I've had so I Mm. I am normally like you know what I just figured this out or 
this is like a moment, like a, some kind of moment that I'm having myself that I then want to share. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things I said a long time ago when I barely had any followers on Instagram was that I was going to be an entrepreneur who told the truth because Mm -hmm. I think everyone kind of makes entrepreneurship look so glossy and so Mm -hmm. fabulous. And I was always looking for where are the war stories? Because I am going through a battle right now and I need somebody who is going to give me like the real, real. Um, mm-hmm. And I just felt like I couldn't find them. I like Googled it. I searched it. I searched Instagram. I'm like, where are the people who are just like telling the truth about, right. you know, what's happening? And so I committed, that was like one of my commitments for my Instagram. I'm I'm like, if I'm going to use this platform, I'm going to use this platform to, um, to really use some of the lessons that I'm learning currently, use the things I've been through and be as transparent as possible. Wow. And it's really helpful. I'm sure you get DMs from people. And I see the comments, but I'm sure you get <laughs> private messages from people in which you've helped. So you're a Southern girl like me. You're from Memphis. And being from the South, there's this certain... I would like to say quality about us, right? That, you know, put us in a big city. I'm from Texas, you're from Memphis, but put us in a big city like a New York or an LA. And I think people, you know, can kind of say, oh, she's not from around here. Hmm. And kind of want to know more about you. So you were a pre-med major and then what? You pack your bags and then move to New York. Talk to us about that. Two suitcases, by the way. Talk to us about that process, how you went from pre-med to living in New York? Yeah, I went, I was, I entered college, um, University of Tennessee as pre-med. And then I changed Mm -hmm. my major after I think my first or second year to fashion merchandising. My mom almost had like a heart attack about it (laughs) and um, finished there with a degree in fashion merchandising, moved home for a little while before Mm -hmm. I um, moved to Atlanta. I knew I wanted to live in New York, but I was so intimidated by the city. I didn't know anyone here. I never visited here before. Um, it just felt like almost a place on the other side of the globe. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I moved to Atlanta, lived there for about three years. And then my company that I was working for closed and it was, it was a home builder actually. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my moment of, I know this is not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I know I'm supposed to be doing something in fashion. Why am I even working for a home builder? Um, and so I kind of, I didn't take any jobs. I got probably four job offers from people, our vendors. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Nope, not taking those jobs. I'm going to work in fashion. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I have no experience really, but I'm going to figure it out. So I lived on my cousin's couch until she was like, girl, okay, enough. (laughs) Um, and then I moved back home to Memphis, uh, back in the home that I grew up in, which was really tough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know a lot of people are dealing with that now, right? The pandemic yes. happened. They were living in all these fancy cities and then they had to move back home. And right. um, that's a challenging place to be in. It takes a lot of humility. It's really difficult. But there is something, if, if you're in that place, whoever's listening to this, there's something that's there for you, right? So mm. for me, when I was home during that time, I got so much healing from family mm-hmm. issues um, I was able to reconcile with my grandmother who I had been upset with for so long. Um, my mom and I were able to really kind of deal with some things that mothers and daughters, you know, have. Girl. <laughs> um, it was, you know, 
I know that God had me there at that time for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I had several family members who passed right before mm -hmm. I moved to New York. And so I, I needed to, I needed to be there. Um, right. not to mention while I was home, like my ex-boyfriend committed suicide while oh I was in, living in Memphis. So I needed to be there and around family. Um, oh so you, you never know like why you're in a certain place, but you have to trust that there's like a purpose for it. Right. Even if it feels very uncomfortable. And again, I get it. I was right across the hall from my parents. We didn't have a big house. So, right. you know, they were calling me for everything. But, but, um, and then, so eventually I was working part-time at Brooks Brothers in the store, mm -hmm. folding shirts, you mm -hmm. know, selling people suits. Mm -hmm. And then I was working temp filing papers. And um, one day while I was at that temp job, this guy who I'll never forget, OC Body came to me and said, what are you supposed to be doing? Mm. and I said I'm supposed to be a buyer I want to be a buyer for you know um, fashion or retail company and he said have you applied to Catherine's which was a store that was based in their corporate office was based in Memphis and I said I did but they haven't called me back I keep calling to follow up and he looked at my resume and said oh I see why and he helped me fix that resume um and I got they called me the same day wow so, wow so I got that job um, and again, you know, I feel nothing has been easy <laughs> as you Girl. can tell, like it's been, you know, I got that job. I, I worked in allocations, not as a buyer, kept trying to get promoted to buyer. They kept telling me I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready until finally I said, you know what, what if I come in early because the buyer who I worked with, she would always get in the office at like six 30. I was like, what if I come to office early and stay late? And I work with Mary. Mm -hmm. um, who was our buyer, if I did that and then did my planning job during my regular hours, could I get the experience? And I got three people to sign off on that plan. And so that's what wow. I did. I came in early, um, worked with her, did whatever she needed me to do. Then I did my regular job and then I would stay that night because she also didn't leave the office to like eight o'clock. I would stay mm -hmm. and I would work with her. And when a role came up, she fought for me to get that promotion. Um, wow. And so, you know, I did that for a few years, got promoted to senior assistant buyer. And then I was like, it's time for me to move to New York. It's time. Mm. And it's funny because, you know, you're, you're always waiting for this right moment, right? The Ooh. right moment. And it never, the right moment never really comes, right? You never mm -hmm. have enough money. You never have enough resources. The apartment ain't there. <laughs> So nothing, <laughs> don't nothing go right. It's like, so what in the world? Just, you know, and sometimes, you know, I believe in planning and I've gotten much better about planning, but I do mm -hmm. believe that at some points in your life, you just have to take the job. Mm. And so, um, I started going to New York one or two times a year just to get over the fear of being, of living in that city. I wanted to kind of feel like I lived there. Mm -hmm. And um, finally, on a trip to New York, I was like, all right, I'm going to find me an apartment. I'm going to go find me a job. I didn't have any interviews, but what I did was I set up lunch dates with all of my vendors in New York. Let's just catch mm -hmm. up. Right. And I figured when we did the catch up, I would tell them I'm getting ready to move to New York. Um, and it worked. One of them offered me a job on the spot. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and, and I didn't find an apartment, but I wrote um, a resignation letter to my boss, 
and mm-hmm. three bosses ahead of them, all personal notes, how they had wow. touched me, how they had inspired me, but I was getting ready to make this leap. And, um, and I, and I quit putting my two weeks notice and, and, you know, moved to New York, didn't have a place to stay. Um, but for two, I negotiated for them to pay me to stay somewhere for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I found my apartment the first day I moved here. A few things, right? <laughs> I know. Long this is story, why I, right? Long story. No, this is why I love you. This is why I needed you on this podcast because I'm like this woman right here. So, okay. First things first, the guy who said, what are you really wanting to do? Like that person to say, like, what is it that you really wanted to want to do? And then you saying, okay, this is, I know this isn't it moving back home. Right. And what all of the things that you were able to heal, the traumas that you were able to deal with when you move back home. A lot of people will think moving back home is a step back or you, you know, made a detour, if you will. But like you said, we're in places for a reason. There's a purpose for being in those spaces. Then you get to let me let me just say this real quick, Ashley. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes, right, when we have to move back somewhere. Mm-hmm. It is, it is to right strengthen us because what mm. happened for me, I'm from Memphis. I moved to mm-hmm. Atlanta. Everybody's like, Brandis is in Atlanta. How cool is that? Right. Mm-hmm. Then you come back and everybody's like, oh, you're back in Memphis. And it's that kind of judgment that I ran across over and over and over again. Oh, you're back. Oh, you're back. Oh, what are you going to do? I didn't know what I was going to do. Right. There was no, I didn't have like a strategic plan laid out. And, and I kept getting that like, oh, you're back. Oh, you're back. And it got so annoying to me that when people said, what are you doing? I would say, I'm working at McDonald's and I would (laughs) not smile. I would not crack a smile. I would not, I would literally let them believe that. Because I had to get to a point where I didn't care what people mm. thought about me. Ugh. And I, when you get to your lowest low, which for me, that was de- the being home was definitely a low, mm-hmm. you kind of start to let go, right? You, you have mm. to almost let go of like the persona or, you know, whatever people thought you were and, or whatever, like people kind of put you on a pedestal. You just let it go and you get to a place where you're like, I'm on my plan, God's plan, and I have to literally block out all of these distractions because it, it, it's only distractions. And, and so if, if the people who are listening, anybody's at home right now, get to a place where people ask you your plans, where it doesn't phase you. Tell them whatever, tell, you know, tell them you don't got a job. You, you're not even looking for, you know, just tell, get to a place where when people... And you know the people who have good intentions for you and the people who are just, Brandis. you know, being judgy. So those people who are coming into your life being judgy, let them judge on, but don't you participate. How did you deal with that though? Was that, fr- was that hard for you? Because I, I, I still find myself in places like that where I'm being, and I feel it and you know, and it's like uncomfortable and you have to feel like you have to over explain yourself. And I'm like, you have to get to the place where you're not willing to overexplain mm. yourself, right? You can't be willing because it, it, it also strips you of the need to have people perceive you a certain way. And <sighs> until you can kind of get stripped in that way, 
it's hard for you to move forward because you're constantly mm. trying to posture for other people. Like, you know, people see HFR now, they didn't see HFR in 2007 when people were looking at me like I was a freaking nut case, right. you know, doing this event and talking, well, what is it? Well, what is it going to be? Well, what did it, and I didn't know those answers, but that time in Memphis had prepared me for basically blocking all of that noise out and just being laser focused. Mm. Let's talk about Harlem's Fashion Row. So the idea was cultivated because you went and to we a fashion show. We can take our time. We can take our okay. time. Okay. 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 Because I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> we can no. I, we can take our time. We can take our. You time. guys, <laughs> I am in the presence of a queen. This one right here, she has helped me. So I'm like trying to hold on. I'm trying to get all as much as soak it all up. This for me too, y'all. Y'all know that. Right? This time. is for me. We can take our time. <laughs> okay. So if we taking our time, let me back up. Because I want to talk a little bit about, have you ever felt judged by your family? Have you ever felt un, like that your family didn't quite understand your path mm -hmm. or your journey? And did that lead, how did, how did that make you feel if you did mm -hmm. have that situation? Yeah, what's funny is that um, my dad is the ultimate cliff jumper. He is mm -hmm. the risk taker, right? I got mm -hmm. so much of who I am from him. However, mm -hmm. when I started my company, he was like, why are you doing a, like, it was like, I stopped talking to him about it because I just stopped. I was like, right. I'm not even talking to him about this because mm -hmm. he don't get it. And here's the thing. I don't fully get it either. Right. <laughs> so I can't explain it to him. He don't get it. So let me just not talk to him about it. I'll talk to okay. the people who actually are like, girl, we don't know what you're doing, but hey, let's go. Right. Right. And, and you just have to, especially when you're in the beginning of something, like who is around you is so incredibly important and family, they love you. They don't, you know, mean any harm, but sometimes, you know, they can't. And again, I'm talking about a father who has taken so many risks, <laughs> but he didn't even get it. And I couldn't even talk to him about it. So imagine if someone has a parent who's never taken those types of risks and you're taking one, they don't get it. Like, right. And it's okay. It is right. okay. So what you do is you really have to protect your dreams, especially in the beginning, because they're so fragile. You're so sensitive about them. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's so easy to get your heart broken by mm -hmm. people um, in the very beginning. So you almost have to insulate your dream with, you know, you don't want yes men all your life. You need people who will challenge you, but not at the beginning. Right. At the beginning, like insulate that dream like a little newborn and surround it by the people who they might not get it, but they love it because you love it. Wow. Oof. That's that's good because I found myself like I'm 37, right? And I started my journey and I we talked a little bit about it, but I was I started off in fashion. I was a stylist. I even tried my hand at my own collection girl didn't have any money for it couldn't afford to keep that going so I had to let that go and then you know along this journey I was you know doing tv spots and, and, and my dream just began I began to pivot I began to say okay this was it at first but I want to move from being so focused in this area I want to explore other things and when I told my family that I was moving to LA they were like whoa you're what? I mean, I got a lot of pushback from it. Right. And it was like, I was sensitive. And at that point of that was two years ago, almost three years ago, when I moved here, 
And my dream, I had been in my dream for several years at that point, but I was still finding myself being ultra sensitive, feeling like I had to over explain myself. Why am I making this decision? You know what I mean? And so just listening to what you had to say in terms of just letting it go, releasing it. And now I feel like I'm better at it in terms of, I don't feel like I have to explain because they see. You know what I mean? And I want to ask that for you. Did you get to a place to where they stopped asking because they began to see it unfold? You know what I mean? Did you get to that place? Have you gotten to that place? Yeah, yeah, they definitely, they definitely see. But Mm -hmm. I also, in the very beginning, got to a place where I had to get so laser focused that I couldn't be bothered. (laughs) So it's just, you know, because all of that, right? Everything, you know, you can't, everything that's coming in, you almost have to filter it because Mm. it's going to impact what comes out, right? So if I have people doubt, 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 doubt coming in, now when I am putting something out into the world, you can feel the doubt, right? So you better preach. It's, it's, it, so you have to be so careful about what you allow in. Even my mother who, oh my gosh, my mom has been my rider for mm. HFR, like my rider, okay? But even her, she would say things like, you know, whew, I just I just want you to have enough money to cover the event. And I say, step back. No, no, not in here, mama. That's not the faith I got. So oh. I'm, I'm going to call you back. And, and, and that's, and I'm like, I'm, that's not what I have faith for. So are you standing with me in faith or not? Because I'm not just having faith to have something covered. I need it to be very profitable. So, you know, so we, she finally got on board, but I had to keep saying, no, mom, let me get off the phone. Mom, I'm sorry. I love you, but let me get off the phone. That's not what I got faith for, you know, and I need you to, to be on board with me and have the same faith. I've like, you got to. If we in this thing and you say you praying with me and you praying for just enough and I'm praying for abundance, nah, ain't gonna work, mom. Girl, Brandon, I gotta wait a minute. Did you find did you find it that people that you didn't know were like cheering for you more than the people that knew you, and not because of anything seated in you know harm or anything, but just did you find that? I think, I think, I think you, I think you find what you want to find, you know, Mm. that's where that filtering comes in. Like there are so many, so my friend asked me, Brandis, who are your haters? I said, I don't know. No. Cause I'm not looking for them. Right. So I have no, I don't know. Who knows? I got so many people who love and support me that I don't have time to be distracted by haters or to even focus on that. So I, what you focus on and who you focus on and what you give your energy to, that is a choice. And mm. I have chosen, right, to really put my energy in the places where I feel loved, accepted, protected, you know. And then when the other people decide to come on board, I'm like, come on. Come on, yes. Because you're happy now, then. I'm like, right. come on, come in. And, and when you're dealing with Harlem, like so Harlem's Fashion Row, um, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you're dealing with a company that is um, talking to people about race in fashion, mm-hmm. right? So we're, mm-hmm. we, we're an agency and 
we create a bridge between brands and designers of color and fashion through, you know, we work with brand strategy collaborations, um, experiential marketing and, and pipeline programs. And so when you're, when you're doing something like this, especially in 2007, when nobody wanted to talk about it, you have to get to a place where I had to get to a place where I didn't take anything personal, but when mm -hmm. people finally decided to come on board and support, I was cool with it. Like it was right. like, no, oh my gosh, you didn't support for the last five years and now you're coming. To, no, none of that. Mm -mm. Petty. That's not yes. because you need some people. And then, like you said, some people just don't get it. Right. Yeah. And then they understand it later by and by. But let's talk a little bit about I want to talk about faith. And then I want to go into um, your first event, which was on my birthday, August 17th in 2007. Yeah. But I want to talk about faith because you've mentioned faith so often. And I, I don't know if I mentioned at the beginning, I'm on a 21 day Daniel fast. I'm a woman of faith. I'm very seated in faith. So I want to ask you, how has faith played a part of your journey? How what tools have you used mm -hmm. in faith to equip you to not give up, to continue to keep going? Yeah, I mean, it's the foundation of who I am, right? My, mm -hmm. uh, my so I didn't say this, but uh, my mom is a teacher. My mm -hmm. dad was a pastor. So I'm a PK. So it is a bit, such a big piece of like who I am, what I do. One of the things I've done for the last 20 years is I've prayed with the same prayer partner Mm -hmm. um, my friend Tamara. And that is so amazing to start my day with her, um, my safe space where I can say whatever I want to say. We can pray about it. We can, you know, say what we're grateful for. And mm -hmm. that is something I do every single, not every single day. Let me take that back. I do that <laughs> most days because some right. days he and I have, our schedules are off, but mm -hmm. we try to do it every day during the week. Um, that's been a big piece of it. Um, and you know, prayer is a big part of it. You know, there has mm. been so many risks that I've taken that I'm like, yeah, God, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. I need you to speak to me and tell me like what to do next, because I got myself in a pickle again. So, <laughs> same. <laughs> so there's, so there's that. Um, and you know, sometimes I know exactly like not exactly, I can't say that, but I, I, I feel very uh, confident, right? That I know mm -hmm. the next move God has for me. And then mm. sometimes I don't. Right. And I'm like, all right, I don't hear no. I don't feel like I shouldn't do it. So I'm going. <laughs> right. So, um, so it's just such a big piece of everything that I, that I do, you know, with my team, like we, we pray before every event backstage when we were meet, having events in person. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and, you know, and it's also kind of really got it, like what our events feel like, you know, we're in fashion that is very exclusive and, mm -hmm. um, but I've always wanted people to feel when they walk through any door, you know, any HFR door, my goal is, you know, my prayer has always been, God, let every person who walks through the door feel loved and accepted. In mm. this room, let, let the good. room be transformed. And so um, I think that's a big piece of our, of our brand ethos. Right. Yeah. Wow. And it's worked because you've been going, <laughs> you just celebrated your 13th year last year. Yep. So exciting. Your first event, like I said, was on my birthday, August 17th. As you guys can see why I love this lady so much. We have such, 
a connection. She has no idea. August 17th, 2007, your first event. Walk mm -hmm. us through, because I've watched your interviews and you've talked about how that day, and this idea again for HFR came about because you went to the event, the fashion show in Brooklyn, and you said, okay, I want to bring this to Harlem. And then you planned it in what, three months? Is that mm -hmm. right? Yep. Walk us through that. Walk us through that, Brandis. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes you find your purpose and sometimes mm -hmm. it finds you. And um, I had no idea when I went to that fashion show that I would be inspired in that way. It was first, I think the first fashion show I had been to in New York, it was in a small restaurant in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. and I was standing there watching me and my friend had shimmied our way up to the front because there was no seating. It was all standing and we had found a way to get close and I'm watching it and it was almost like, you need to do this in Harlem. Like something that was like downloaded <laughs> almost yes. in my spirit and I left the space we had shimmied to and I went <laughs> and, and um, found a seat and it was almost like all of these thoughts and ideas were just coming towards me. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, you're going to do this event in Harlem. Here's who's going to be a part of it. You know, you're going to ask this person first. And so my friend was like, girl, where you go? You lost our girl. <laughs> and I just almost like vomited this idea on her. I'm like, Camila. Da -da 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 -da. And she's like, oh, I love that. And what about this? And what about this? And what about, and so she and I, we took the subway from like Brooklyn to the Upper East Side to a party. And I remember at that party, I didn't talk to one person. I was wow. in my corner, in my own <laughs> world, in my mind, thinking about this event. And it was, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I had no clue what I was really in, um, uh, embarking upon, but I knew I had to do it. And so right. I sent out, um, I had decided, okay, these are the five boutiques that I want to be a part of it. There were five mm -hmm. black owned boutiques in Harlem. Mm -hmm. and I sent them, I waited till I had to go to Memphis for something, and I sent them all these letters, and the letters were on this, like, chartreuse paper. Um, I had wrapped them in, like, this, like, chocolate-covered, like, um, ribbon. Detail. And then <laughs> I had this, I still have the envelope. Then I had, like, mm -hmm. this um, chocolate envelope, and I written on it in gold writing, and mm -hmm. the theme, I thought, was none of these people know me except one, because I was volunteering in his store. Mm -hmm. rest of them don't know me so at least when I call I can say hey I'm the one who sent you like the the letter in the chartreuse paper and they go oh okay mm. and um you know I always tell people your presentations your documents that you send over is to me it's a reflection of what your event is going to be so if you right. send me over some deck <laughs> <laughs> and the margins are off and the all kind of different uh, funky fonts and all this stuff I'm like yeah. you're like uh-uh <laughs> yeah so, um, and so all of them said no, except for one. And I just mm -hmm. kept going back. And eventually four out of the five said, yes, we did the event on August 17th. Um, it was so far from perfect, but it was definitely the best event we've ever done. Right. And it was done. Better was done. done than not, it right? Done. It was done. Right. And yeah. I want to ask you, um, before I ask my next question, I want to ask, you were on owns the know, um, like a documentary, a mini docu-series, and you said um, to always ask the, mm -hmm. you know, the worst thing that can happen, you can get a yes or a no, but to always ask. I believe you said it like that. Yeah. You just talked about how you asked the designers, you sent them the envelope mm -hmm. with the paper, the gold writing. Mm -hmm. I want to find out from you in the ask, sometimes 
people will stop at the no. Mm -hmm. The first no that we get, it's like, oh, they said no. So I'm going to leave that alone. You've said that you continue to ask. So you didn't ask one time. Mm -hmm. You ask over and over again until mm -hmm. you got that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Brandis, break that down for us. <laughs> so what is wow. it between like, so we're not stalking and so, that we're trying to get our, how do we navigate that space of continuing to send the email, continuing to send the note and, you know, not wanting to scare anybody, but we're trying to get our yes. How do we walk that line? So <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but they had already said yes in my mind. Oh, right? they just didn't know they had said yes yet. So I just had to convince them to say yes. So it was, you know, I, I you know, I just kind of, I would say they would say, no, 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 I don't think I can be a part of it. I said, hold on, don't say no. Just say, you'll think about it and I'll come back. And I would smile <laughs> and they go, girl, all right. Who is this? You know, and then I come back again. I go, Hey, have you given it some more thought? Here are the updates. Like I would give them updates. Here are the updates. Here's what's mm -hmm. happened now. We would love to be, you to be a part of it. Like, you know, um, uh, we've got this person who said yes and did it, you know, whatever fancy updates I had. Right. And, um, and I would say it and they go, yeah, no, I, I still don't think I'm doing this. And I would be like, don't, don't say no, don't say no. I'll come back. Okay. I'll come back. And that was, that was literally wow. what I did. And then once I got one to say yes, and I got two to say yes, then I went to the third one. And it was like, these two people have already said yes. Mm. So I would love for you to be a part of this. And I, I'll never forget um, Letitia from Pieces Boutique. Mm -hmm. she, um, wow. I, she said, when I came to her boutique, she's like, somebody please go get me that green piece of paper because this girl is not going to stop. And I was like, nope. And, um, you know, I, I think it's all in like how you do it. And when you're really convinced that somebody has already said yes, it's, you're, you're really hard to stop, right? Because if I've decided that the answer is yes, you really haven't made a firm decision that the answer was no. You just said no based on like, you didn't have enough information, you know? And so, um, that's good, Brandis. You just didn't have enough information to say yes. So I have to give you some more information to get my yes. So go in saying that they're going to say yes. Do you think that your personality, though, do you think that that helped? Because you can't go in with a bad attitude, right? Or oh, no, you can't be no, no, like, no, 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 no. uh, and I also us. think, yeah, I also think like, you know, I don't know, like, I try not to hold things too tight, right? And I think mm -hmm. if you can make things a little bit fun for yes. people, then, you know, they just are like, that girl is crazy. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I, I think, I think that, that definitely helped. But there have been times when, I mean, 2011, Target came aboard as our sponsor. And yes. I... I must have emailed that man so many times. I sent him things in the mail. I did all the things, right, to get mm -hmm. an answer. And I wasn't getting an answer. And I started to feel like I am getting to the place where I am annoying him. I know I have to yes. be annoying him. And it was like, well, what else can I do that's not really annoying, but that's a good mm -hmm. follow-up, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll send cupcakes. That's not, that's a good follow-up. Oh, or good maybe I'll send, you know, I can't even tell you. I have a full cupcake account with Big by Melissa's because we <laughs> send that many cupcakes. Um, 
but like, what else can I do? Right. So even, right. you know, even when you're negotiating costs, like there's been times where there's a venue, it was um, $16,000 for the space. And mm-hmm. I was like, I really, I know this is our space, but I can't afford this space. And I was like, can you please? She's just like, oh no, I don't think so. And I was like, let me, I'm going to send them cupcakes, you know? And, and they came down to $10,000 for the space. So it's like, you know, wow. it's also not following up in the same way. Don't keep sending somebody emails, please. Okay. So what else can you do that can be a creative way to follow mm. up? That's good. That's good. Now you talked about your sponsorships. And before we dive into sponsorships, I just have to ask from that first event that you had on August 17th to where you are now, you're going into your 14th year. What did you take away from that event that you still refer to till this day? Oh my gosh, so many things. Um, I think how I approach my team is very, Mm -hmm. still very similar to what I did then. Um, uh, I still like to write out all the details before an event so that in my mind, I know exactly what it's going to look like. Right. So Mm -hmm. even if the event hasn't happened yet, and I did that for that event in 2007, Mm -hmm. I like wrote down like minute by minute, like what would happen. And um, that's always so helpful is something that we still do now. Mm-hmm. Um, I also learned that things are going to go wrong. Something's mm. always going to happen and you got to be prepared for it. And, you know, I, I'm yet to have one flawless event, right? So <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> no, it's true. It's so true. You Even know, the people, LeBron event, that no, one was flawless. No, it wasn't flawless because you know, we had like right before the event. Now, when people came in, they probably thought it was flawless, but people never see the behind the scenes, you know, and Mm -hmm. somebody had gone and messed up all the placements at LeBron's table and Nike had, Nike execs had came to set that table up specifically. And I was like freaking out about (laughs) that because I'm like, you know, you wouldn't have never known, (laughs) um, you know, but you learn that this is it. This is like something, something will happen. And I wish that it wasn't that way, but 14 years of experience have taught me that if you're doing a big event, you're going to miss something. Something's going to fall through the cracks. Some ball is going to drop some kind of way, or something's going to happen that you could have never even expected or planned for. Um, mm-hmm. But how you show up as a leader is going to be how everyone reacts that is that is the most important piece like how you show up and and let me just give an example so 2017 it was our 10th year we had Mm -hmm. the rent tents it was raining cats and dogs at that event right first event i decided to do outside is raining cats and dogs in new york so the people get wet water's coming down like it's a whole thing and I was, and, and that day was so stressful for me. We had to spend all this money we didn't have on tents and all this stuff. I was so stressed out. So I stayed home until I got myself together. My sister was there and she was running things and she was like, are you coming? <laughs> I was like, I'm coming. We need our leader. We need I'm our leader. Coming. I'm coming, but I need to pull myself together. Okay. Right. So I, I came and um, I was like, all right. I got to pretend like it's not raining. Mm. 
And I walk through the whole thing and I act like it wasn't raining the entire time and like everything was like regular and normal. And I remember even being, when the event started, I was like under stage, like water's like dripping down my face. And I'm just going along, like there's no water dripping down my face because, you know, it's, that is something that I did in 2007 that I still do today. Ooh, and I'm gonna look these are tips I hope y'all are taking notes because these are okay this girl I told y'all this is why okay let's talk about sponsorships because mm-hmm. as a black woman you have been able to generate some big brands to work and partner with HFR Target Gap Nike Brandis, break it down for us like if someone is looking for let's say an influencer she may not have you know, the 50,000 followers, she may have 10,000 followers, or she may have 5,000, or it's a small business, and they're wanting a cupcake business, you like cupcakes. Mm -hmm. And they're wanting to, you know, get a brand on board to get more exposure. How, How, what is the first step in us navigating that space of reaching out to a partner, big or small to work with us? Yeah. I think first is knowing your audience, right? So Mm. if it's a social, like, who are the people who follow you? Who, mm-hmm. like what like what are all their demo demographics right so knowing mm-hmm. that and then knowing what value can you give to a brand because right. it's not you know when we partner with a brand that brand is getting a ton of value too and and so it has That's to be great. that there's this win-win relationship right mm-hmm. everybody has to come out of this winning it can't be got to be a can't be that you're just taking their check And then they're not really getting anything back in return. So it really is about like, how do you serve your customer in the best Mm -hmm. way possible? And, Mm -hmm. and, and when you're working with the brand, that's your customer, right? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's really about, um, service quite honestly, more than Mm -hmm. anything, you know, if you understand how do I provide value to my customer? How do I serve my customer in a way that no one else is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I create a seamless experience for them and how they work with me? Then, you know, you can attract brands. Mm. Let me ask you I mean, you it's this. much more complicated than that, but that's the start. That's the start. And we can just grab her book, Sponsorship. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> how to get brands to pay for your event. Yes. Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever encountered brands that you had to decline they may have wanting to work with you but you had to tell them it's not a good fit how does that work (laughs) yes I had that happen our first year um a first year out you know for the show in 2007 I Mm -hmm. had this guy who I had seen at an event I kept emailing him he never responded so I sent him his team breakfast Mm-hmm. And he responded, he wanted to meet with me and we had a great meeting. Um, he had a brand on board, but their vision for how they wanted to activate at this event, how they wanted to show up at this event was not in alignment with how I saw HFR. And this is our first mm-hmm. year, but mm-hmm. I just had a vision of what HFR would be. And that just didn't, it didn't feel right for me. Right. And that was the hardest email I, I probably, you know, you know, one of the hardest emails I've sent was to say, I'm so sorry, but I appreciate this. I'm so grateful, but we're not able to move forward. It's not a good brand fit for us. Um, the things that they were asking. Now I know I could have also gone back and said, 
you know, no, that doesn't work, but here is how it could work, right? That mm. was also an opportunity. But then I've also had to um, turn down six-figure brands before. Wait, that... what? Not the six brands. Mm-hmm. Really? Because you have to, A, you have to think long-term, right? What right. do you want for your brand long-term? Even if you have to suffer a little bit <laughs> right now, yeah. Uh, what do you want for your brand long-term? And then what do you have peace with? You know, it goes mm. back to that faith. And when God is not giving me peace about something, I have to follow that. And both times I actually had to happen twice with six figure contracts mm. on the table. And, and both times I had to, it was, it was like something about the deal that didn't feel totally honest. Mm. Um, something that just didn't feel right. And I had to follow that. And that was so hard to do. I mean, oh my gosh, like, and you're talking about being married. I had to go tell my husband, babe, um, that deal that was going to be like a high six figure deal. I just, we, I just, we just can't do it, you know? And I just need you to trust me on this though, you know, because, um, and, and shout out to my husband because Lord knows. Can we shout out the husband? Shout out the husbands, girl. Lord. Because he shout has them been out. on a crazy journey with me. But um Same. But you know, and I look back and I'm so happy I didn't do those deals. Mm. I'm so happy I didn't do them. So happy That's I didn't good. do them. Yeah. That's good. So so following your intuition, right? When you know it doesn't yeah. feel right. Yep. Yeah. And if um, it's not in alignment with where you see yourself going, right. You mm -hmm. have to be able to see beyond the now, mm -hmm. um, and see where, how do you want your brand position? Right. And if mm -hmm. I had some of those brand partnerships, then, you know, a Nike might not have been attracted to HFR or gap, you know, so you, you just have to be very careful about how your brand shows up and thinking about what do you want long-term for it? That's good. Um, last year, we saw a lot of businesses, you know, putting up the black box in response to the killings with George Floyd and the protests and what have you. You created HFR in response to the lack of diversity for Black designers in fashion. 14 years coming up this year, do you, and, and many of the designers credit you as being their person who gave them access, who gave them exposure. Do you credit, do you feel like there is still more work to be done 14 years in? Is there still work to be done in terms of diversity in fashion, in fashion? Yeah, there's so much work to be done. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like we are closer than I've ever seen us. Mm -hmm. um, but, but there is work to be done. But I, I can actually see like a, like a tinge of light at the end of the tunnel now. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm really, really grateful for that. Wow. Um, what are your thoughts when you see people like Teflar? He's now, he was the 2020 CFDA accessories mm -hmm. designer. He showed in one of your events, I believe in 2017 it was, I can't remember the year, mm -hmm. but what do you see, mm -hmm. 2010, what do you, what do you feel personally mm -hmm. when you look and see these people that you, you know, you started off the little engine that could, but then the little engine that could gave opportunities and helped others who were also the little engine that could now receive the access and the awards that they have been fighting for. What, what do you feel in those moments? Do you sit back and take that in? Honestly, no. 
<laughs> because you know these designers work so hard and they mm -hmm. sacrifice so much um mm -hmm. themselves i mean you know maybe maybe hfr has played a small part but so much of it the credit goes to them and mm. the tenacity that um they've had to have to keep going quite honestly yeah they're they are they are my heroes and you are theirs and you are mine too <laughs> i watched your ted talk um in which you spoke about being an outsider and at the end of the talk you say the real outsiders are on the outside you've you know referred to yourself as a fashion outsider but Come on now, Brandis. You're no outsider. I am. I am. I still am. You don't. I know it doesn't no. look like it, right? But I really am still an outsider, and I do believe that outsiders are the ones that win, right? Like mm. when you're thinking about, think about any brand, big, big, big brand that's been created over the last few years. It's normal. It's usually created by somebody from the outside, right? Mm -hmm. It's usually Airbnb. They weren't in the hospitality business, you know, right. like. Um, and just go look at, go look at five brands that you love right now. And usually they're created by, by outsiders because outsiders usually come into an industry and they don't know the rules. They don't know the players. They don't have any of the baggage that other people have that are, that are in, the, they don't owe anyone any favors. Right. Um, they don't see things the same as everyone else. They don't see the same limitations as people who are insiders because, you know, they've never been inside. They don't even know what the rules are. They don't even know what the rooms look like inside. So right. when you're coming in from the outside, it just gives you this great advantage to be able to create what you see based on your vision and not based on like what you've experienced before. Mm, so don't let the word outsider stop you from going after that big dream that you want, right? Is that right? No, if anything, <laughs> let being an outsider push you. Like it's, right. it's being an outsider is dope and you know that's why i refuse to let people call me an insider because i love and i still am and i really still am an outsider it doesn't matter like i'm telling you i am and because i still don't come from that world right mm -hmm. i don't come from the world of working for a luxury brand i don't come from the world of working for a magazine i don't know you know i've had big people call me and ask me for my opinion and i told them you know, whereas somebody else would be like, probably be like, oh no, Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. Like, I don't have any of that, right? Because right. I'm an outsider. So I'm like, this is what I think. No, I don't think <laughs> it's a good idea. You know, so um, I just, you know, I don't think people shouldn't let being an outsider deter them. It really should push you. I mean, look at Issa Rae and what uh, she created, right? Uh, She's a, she was a total outsider. She yes. And, and she still functions like an outsider, right? She's still creating outside the box. Why? Because she mm -hmm. didn't come from that world. Oh, that's a good, that's, and I'm so sad insecure is ending. I hate that. I so um, what's next for you? Are you, do you have any new dreams? I know that you're working on a book. I cannot wait for the book. Can you <laughs> tell us anything about the book? Oh my goodness. Um, it's just a lot of details that I've never shared before um, that that will be in there. And I think it will be, you know, one of those books that an entrepreneur just starting will really cling to, I hope, for hope and, mm -hmm. and, and for feeling like they have somebody who understands and who's been there. Um, 
you know, I tell lots of stories, lots. I've been <laughs> lots reading, you've been dropping some of them on your Instagram lots before of, you left uh, us. No, I know lots of stories <laughs> in there. Um, yeah. And then now I'm at an interesting place. I'm really feeling like there's something else for me. Mm. I don't know what it is. Um, I told my sister tonight, I was like, yeah, I think I'm kind of like, I mean, I might need to, you know, I don't know. I'm bringing in more team members so I can be a little bit more hands off um, mm-hmm. with HFR, lead the vision, but, but hands off on kind of like, you know, on the day-to-day things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what's next, you know, and my sister, <laughs> my sister <laughs> says to me on the call, she's like, oh girl, you'll have something else before you can even <laughs> Before you hire those people, you'll have new things. She's like, and then you'll be saying, oh my gosh, I'm more busy than I was with HFR. Um, but I don't know. I'm very open. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, when you do something for 14 years straight and you've been, you know, so in a zone doing it, mm-hmm. I, you, I'm at a place where I'm like, okay, this is going well, right? Mm-hmm. For, for a long time, it, I didn't have time to even think about anything else because things were so chaotic and so right. unstable. So now I'm like, okay, things are going well. Like, what else would I like to do? What what right. else do you want to do, Brandis? So I'm in that space now of exploration. Would love more TED Talks from you. That was so good. I was like, oh, thank you. Would love more of those. What is your hope for HFR? Uh, my hope is that we leave behind a, a, a easy pipeline for designers of color, right? So, mm-hmm. so HFR, I want designers who want to work in-house for a brand to mm-hmm. have this very easy pipeline or collaborate with a brand or anything to have mm-hmm. this very easy pipeline to be able to do that, right? There's mm-hmm. no big barriers. And then with Icon360, which is our nonprofit, I want designers to always have funding. And so we're Mm -hmm. working on building a $10 million um, fund for designers now. Wow. And so that we can, you know, really, you know, grow that to a place where um, it can last, you know, Mm -hmm. for the next 20 to 30 years, you know, or 50 years. Right. Um, I would like to almost like an endowment is what I would like to have. Mm, I love that. This has been... (sighs) <sighs> thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, Brandis. You have blessed me. Thank you. I'm sh- I know you blessed the people, but you've blessed me. So thank Aww. you for taking the time. Um, tell people where they can follow you and your website, where they can get your resources. Tell them. Yeah. yeah, sure. You can go to my website. It's Brandis Daniel, and that's B-R-A-N-D-I-C-E, Daniel, not an S at the end. Um, you can go to my personal Instagram. By the time this is out, I might be back on. That's at Brandis Daniel. Um, you can also go to Harlem's Fashion Row if you're looking for to support designers of color. Please go there. Um, Harlem's Fashion Row.com is the website, and Harlem's Fashion Row um, is our Instagram account as well. And before you go, can we play a quick game? Sure. Let's have a little fun. Okay. okay. So it's done in 60 seconds, this rapid fire. So you ready? Yep. What do you do to unwind? Take a bath. (laughs) Bubbles or just plain bath? Warm, warm bubble bath. Uh, Memphis or New York? Ah, so hard, (laughs) so hard. (laughs) Memphis. Mm, 
Okay. Um, what is your five year? Where do you see yourself in five years? I'm speaking, doing book tours, and possibly launching a movie. I look, I'm speechless because why did I think, why did I have that in my mind that this needs, your story needs to be, okay. Um, anyway, what brings you joy? Oh man, my baby girl, Sky, she brings mm. me so much joy. I love it. You brought us joy today. Thank you so much, Brandis. I appreciate you for taking the time. I can't wait till you get back on Instagram. I may send you some cupcakes because- <laughs> Don't send me this. cupcakes. I'm on okay. a diet. I am on a diet. No cupcakes. Please. Okay, I won't send cupcakes. I'll send bananas or fruit, a fruit basket, a fruit okay. basket. But I am just very appreciative of you and your your being and your story. And I don't know if people, I'm sure people tell you, but I just want to let you know that your story inspires people who may not even tell you. So I'm telling you, I'm going to give you your flowers now. Thank you. I appreciate your journey because it's helping people like myself on my journey. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. I really yes. appreciate that. And this will probably be up before you're back on Instagram. So come Aww. on back early. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> Brandon, but, you have to. But when I'm back, I'll post it. How about okay. that? Okay. Okay. And well, then. Before I let before I let you go, are you doing something in Memphis? Are you having like uh are you doing anything there as well? Because I know that you do like you did a 10 year there, right? Like a 10 year. I do every every five years I do an event okay. in Memphis. So okay. I'm committed to, you know, I think it's a shame when people leave their cities, do something great in another city and never bring it back to their own city. Right. So I am committed to bringing HFR to Memphis every five years. Okay. Okay. Look, let me know what I can do to help. I'm, you have me, you have my full support. So whatever I, I can will, do. I will, yes. I will. How is the podcast going? Brandis, this is, it's a journey. <laughs> it's not as easy as people think, you know, I'm already mm -hmm. a reporter, but this is a different style because it's a little bit more personal. It's a little right. bit more, you know, you're so a great it, interviewer though. You're great. I, it, but thank you. But these I felt I was being led by God to share stories, but I think that in the sharing of the stories, it, it helps me too. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'm sharing the stories for everybody and everybody mm -hmm. I'm sure can pick something out of it for themselves, mm -hmm. but it's really therapeutic for me, yeah. you know, in my journey. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm well, you did a excited. great job. I don't know if you do all your interviews like this, but you did a fantastic job. Brandis, thank you. But look, look at what God did because earlier what happened? Did, <laughs> we got I, know, I, I know we got disconnected. I didn't have time. I had calls back to back. <laughs> but thank you for being like, we can do. I was like, what? And I didn't, I didn't put in the email. Can we do it all over? I was like, I'm going to ask. When we get <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm asking, right? I was like, I'm going to ask her 